What's up, people? Simply put, first things first, thank you for listening. Thank you for continuing to share. I hope that this is impacting and I hope that this is reaching the folks that it needs to reach. Continue to share this with a friend if you think they could benefit from these stories and from these beautiful people that are coming to talk about the amazing work that they're doing in their communities. Today, I have a really dope guest, Brad Simmons, or Born King, as he likes to be called, from Soul Society, from North Carolina originally, but doing work out in Oregon today. So we chapped it up. We talked about a few different things from starting this nonprofit Soul Society to the work that they're doing, some of the projects and a really dope event they have coming up with Brother 19 Keys. And it's really dope because this brother is big entrepreneurship, big on building your business, building your brand. And they're bringing that to Greensboro this month. So tune in. All things, all things, all things, E. All things, all things, all things, E. Education, art, and tech. You never know coming next. Education, art, and tech. You never know coming next. <laughs> all right, so what's happening, people? Welcome to the All Things E podcast. Today, I got my dog, Brad Simmons, or for this episode, we're going to keep it. Born King. I'm gonna call you King. I'm gonna just say King when I refer to you. And it's just that that's straight. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. What's happening? Bet. Fantastic. Ain't nothing, man. So yeah, go ahead. Since since we in it, just tell the people, you know what I'm saying, a little bit about yourself and, and what you do. I'm a serial entrepreneur overall, and that's something we can get deeper into. Yeah. I do a series of different things, different markets we're trying to crack into, different businesses we're trying to build. Um the main thing is Soul Society. It's a nonprofit for community empowerment and youth mentoring based in yep. arts, culture, and economics. So really the main thing we're all about in a nutshell is establishing this village mentality, the collective mentality that's really about us maximizing our personal roles and strengths for the betterment of our, our family and our community. You know, rather than the individualism a lot of us are on on this case to just put ourselves on a pedestal to look like this or act like that or be able to do these certain things for ourselves, but not always considering the collective village. So, yeah, we pretty much do events, different programs, workshops, and... um ultimately want to establish some things that are aiding at first aiding the school system, but mm-hmm. eventually replacing the school system to create systems and educational programs that are, you know, really teaching us life values, life skills, and um, yep. how to get into our own personal development, you know, rather than walking down right. these, you know, these roles that are putting us in these, these boxes that are limiting our creativity and our thinking. So that's that's one of my questions about Soul Society, actually. So I'm glad you mentioned it first. Like, how did it start? I think I know a little bit about it, but I would like to hear, like, how it how it started and then how it grew into what it is now. You know, it's always a, I ain't gonna say difficult, but it's a task to, you know, try to put this into yeah. this, not drawing out story, you know, y'all gonna have to go get the, the yeah, movie yeah. and the, the, the trilogy that's coming in the future, <laughs> you feel me? But, um, yeah, for sure, for sure. So, first and foremost, much love and appreciation to the family that I was brought up in and 
they really created a a real tight knit family oriented mentality that you know is the American version. But when I learn and study history and culture before colonization, this village culture, this village mentality was implemented into me early. You know, I didn't really need for anything. It wasn't like I was in a poor state of, of, of living or in a rundown type of living situation, but I didn't have all the wants. I didn't need anything. And when I got older and became, became um, you know, just more aware of what was going on around me and what our families are going through, a lot of times we're naive. We don't really know, like, the plight of our parents, especially single moms. Growing up in a generation where all me and my brother, my cousins, we, you know, in single mother households and to see how they leaned and leaned on each other. One person might have came up short on this. Another person had extra that. So they went over there and helped that stay afloat. So when you saw how money, food, resources, time, cars and all that was circulated and everybody was able to have access to these resources, we never lacked anything. I just realized how they created that village mentality and that village operation. So it just created that sustainable life that I feel like I took for granted growing up. But once I got older, bring people into our our family situations, whether it be an event or family reunion or just visiting from college or something, and a lot of people will really like be in love with our family and how they operate and how we support and show yeah. love to each other. And to me, it was like, this is what it's supposed to be. This is what it is. Like, your family. Right. And <laughs> that's the way, I, that's go, the way I'm, I'm I would used to go it, to other yeah. people's family situation or hear about their family situation. And I would realize, like, as beautiful as our family, my family situation is, it's not as normal as I feel it should be. And a lot of people are lacking this family environment that it, it doesn't always have to be blood. So we wanted to create different spaces and environments where we could create that extended family for, I mean, those who got yeah. it and those who don't have it, you feel me? But that's how some yeah, kids, you know, fall into games, want to get into fraternities. All of us want that family environment. All of us want that brotherhood, that yeah. sisterhood, that collective community. And when you really realize yeah. yourself, that's natural to us. We are communal people. So that's why we like to fall into all these different groupings. And when we don't have those yep. groups to fall into, that's where we get labeled an outcast and do, you know, outlawish things, you know. So pretty much I, I, I had that great foundation. I went on to college. Yep. And although I had that great foundation, I didn't have a clue in the world of what I wanted to do with my life. So I started going down the path for technology. <laughs> Um, you know, technology isn't going anywhere. It's going to be good money. I'm doing all these career analysis in my senior year in high school. And all I'm doing is going to the salary section. (laughs) Like, go to the salary technology. Okay. I could probably come out and get like a good 80, a hundred thousand dollar job starting. So that's what I'm doing. I'm chasing this money. And that's kind of how we are socialized. You know, we are, yeah. Our whole life is about putting ourselves in a position to chase a dollar by exchanging my body and my time and my value for somebody else's yeah. wealth. You know, we're not really taught to manage our money. We're not taught credit. We're not taught 
how to build business and create our own jobs and opportunities. So my junior year in high school, I was arrested. You know, long story short, we used to have these hotel parties and a fight ended up yep. breaking out. And, you know, everybody is leaving. Everybody left. Dispersed after the fight, of course, the police come in. And I'm trying to find the driver to the car I'm going. I'm leaving in. I go back into the hotel room to find them. I wasn't in there 60 seconds. Three cops come in the room, find a bag of weed. And I ended up having to take the charge, me, the other boy that I was with, and the person who roomed the name was there. And when the cops found weed, it was like, dang, this only a half ounce. Like, in a way of like, dang, I wish this was more so we could really bury y'all. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. And I'm thinking we Yeah, like looking for more of a reason. Yeah. Now I was just saying, I'm thinking we passed racism at this time. This is like 2008. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, Yeah. it used to be a struggle. (laughs) Our parents and our ancestors went through a lot. But then I see this action right here. This is ongoing. And it's going on live (laughs) and well while we ushering Obama into presidency. You feel me? Mind you, the cops, they, 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 the, um, the thought of this charge is really about to be mine is really settling into my head after I ask, like, y'all can't do no fingerprints? You know, this cop say, what you think this is, CSI? Right, they ain't about to do no, they ain't about to try to to help yourself. Not at that point. Right, yeah. Fast forward, my freshman year in college, I ended up getting another marijuana charge with weed. I didn't even know was there, but... This quick scenario was just a late night. Me and my boy, I'm visiting Christmas break, visiting back home. And me and my boy, we on the way to see some girls on a late night. And he see these cops following yep. us, like, for miles, like, coming from one neighborhood. Yeah. And mind you, he had the old school box Cadillac. So, you know, right. we profiled off the rip, no question. Soon as yep. we get, like, they mind see. you, we watching the cops follow us. So, you know, you watching the speedometer, going exact speed limit, everything cool. As soon as we yeah. get in the turning lane to go into the house we were going to, they turn their lights on, pull us over. Guess yeah. what the first thing you say? Speeding, license registration. So we really about to trip yeah. out, like, speeding. Like, we literally been watching you, been watching the speedometer. Right. So he takes a license registration, two other cop cars pull up. They come into my door on the passenger. I'm in the passenger seat. And they asked me, where are you going? Where are you coming from? And I'm just laughing, like, this is crazy. So long story short on that, we ended up getting, can you step out the car? And, you know, we just, so we, we following, they, they lead, and my boy, we don't know no better, so he lets them search the car. We think we clean, they find a little crumb. Yeah. And my boy, he was playing football at NC State at the time, and one of the cops apparently yeah. knew, and he was kind of laughing, like, I hope this don't mess you up. Wow. So there go the second charge. I ended up claiming that just because of that incident, and I was like, ain't no point of yeah. us all sharing this charge again while he's playing with my boy about messing up his football career. So I went ahead and claimed yeah. that one. And then those were the two charges that put me on the path that I'm on now when I realized, like, realized all these doors were closed on me. And... yeah. First thing I did, first opportunity I got was from hustlers in the street. You know, they gave me yeah. a pack. You feel me? Mind you, some of my church people found out situations and all that stuff I got into. 
And, um, you know, from family to the church to the community, like people that found out, like I was criminalized. I had this record even before mm-hmm. I went to court of pending charges. Yeah. And by the, the career yeah. field, I mean, the, the job market was criminalizing. So everywhere I turned, I was being criminalized. Nobody cared about no court case and if I was actually innocent or guilty, you know, it was guilty yeah. to prove innocent. So exactly. I began to exactly. look at myself like a criminal. So I began to hustle and mm. figure out how to make something out of nothing. So I got into some other situations and incidents as I got deeper down that path and caring less about myself yeah. and losing value for myself. Like I, I fell into depression and didn't really see no hope for myself. And it got to a point where it took me literally getting shot. And that wasn't even a final wake up call. Like the following year, like, thank yeah. God I survived. And I realized I had greater value to contribute to the world. And I really need to figure out what is that and how can I apply that? It took one of my boys. I mean, mind you, I'm in the middle of drawing up these plans. And um, it took my boy getting killed to really like, no, I need to get out here and do something today. Like I don't have time to learn one more thing or wait for one more thing to happen or to meet one more person to give me an yeah. opportunity. I'm only guaranteed today. Like, so I need to go out here and do something right. right now. So um, I began to stop chasing money and, and begin to shift my path to just elevating the next generation, helping them from falling into the holes and mistakes I fell into or to be able to help bring them up out of those holes that they fell into and not only put them on even ground, but on higher ground to help them tap into the value within, you know. And once I got out of that miserable space of not seeing the value of myself and putting myself in a position of passion and purpose, I began to love every day. I, I got out of that depression just by snapping my fingers into you just mm. got to fall in love with what you're doing. And if what you're doing is not something you love, yeah. then stop going down that miserable path. And I realized I was trying to do mm. things to please my family, to please everybody but myself. And once I began to put myself in the path of pleasing myself, then I know that will, you know, some people aren't going to understand your vision at first, but if they know you're putting yourself in a position of doing something you love, they that light itself is going to shine. And they're going, maybe I don't agree with what you're doing, but I see you enjoy what you're doing. You're in a happy space, and I'm going to try to support if I can. Or just to know that you out here shining and enjoying yourself, you know. And, and a lot of this path has been, I'm not sure what I'm doing myself, I got an end vision and maybe even my parents, my mom or somebody may not necessarily understand what I'm trying to do, but to see the results of us manifesting an idea and creating an event and them seeing the experience and the effect it's having on people, it it was like, this is it. Like before money, I hope the money come, money will come, but I got to chase my purpose. You feel me? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But, that's really like the main thing. Like I really just like got into a couple of history classes and A and T and um really saw a lot of the things our ancestors went through and overcame. A lot of the individuals, a lot of the events that we overcame, a lot of the contributions we had to the world. 
And ultimately, above all, when I, I found out that we didn't really come here as slaves, you know, first and foremost, some of us hmm, were deep. already here. We already had traveled the world, you feel me? And then on huh. top of that, uh, this was some of the latest deep thoughts that somebody put on me. But the fact that we didn't come here as slaves, we came here as kings, queens, doctors, mathematicians, scientists, agricultural experts. And yep. that's why we were selected to be used because we had so much value. Because we have so much knowledge, that's real. Because we can manifest these great things and grow rice fields, grow cotton fields, mine gold, and all these things. You feel me? Um. Mm. So the fact is, growing up through the regular public school system, it kind of made us like our history started out as slaves. We came here as slaves, and then we went on from there and got a few Martin Luther King, Booker T. Washingtons, George Washington Carver some things you feel yeah. me but then i'm like like nah I, i'm not i don't i don't i don't come from slavery i come from this greatness that was here before slavery even started thousands of years and i began to know like if i come from that then these little problems i'm going through definitely can't hold me back if i come from that For then sure. i know i got great value of wealth to contribute to the world and i know working for somebody in this little cubicle for the next 20, 30 years so I can get a nice check and benefits, a house, two cars, picket fence, and a dog, and a little two kids, family, and all that. Like, it's got to be more to it than that. Like, especially to look at yeah. the things that our, our people are still going through, the things I went through, and the fact that I'm not I, – I see my experience as, like, there's a thousand – of us, million of us maybe going through these things yep. and being yep. innocent, Same falsely accused, but convicted guilty. You feel me? There's a lot of us that are yep. going through these situations, fighting the law and fleeing. Even you innocent, you got to plea because you can roll the dice and plead to this three years, or you can try to fight your fight and get 20 years. So I'm like, there's no way I can sit on the sideline and just get myself right get my house right. Like I got to step out here into the community and try to elevate the next generation. Yeah. My, uh, so yeah, that speak, makes me think but... like, it's cool. <laughs> it's all right. So that makes me think when you talk about, you know, coming from that lineage of Kings and all the people that had all this knowledge and information, um, I think about your, like the event that I kind of met y'all at, which was, we are to go to the daily <laughs> banner a few I don't remember how many years ago exactly but that was one so like when you think about our history and then you think about fast forwarding now to what you're doing with soul society like what how do you see those things aligning and and like what do you see like coming out of all the things that y'all are putting together to teach people one like who they are where they come from and also how arts and economics can make them you know help people grow in their own communities too when I wasn't able to get any of those jobs and everything, um, there was a couple like entrepreneurs that took me under their wing. I mean, I was working under the table and they was paying me cash for different jobs and things that I helped them with, but I was able to be an understudy and watch them create opportunities. So one, they provided me an opportunity despite my record and all that. And they provided me an opportunity and I was able to see how they created 
something out of nothing. So down the entrepreneurship path and economics, education and programs that we're doing and going to be doing beyond being an artist or being an entrepreneur, everybody needs financial literacy, especially if you're in America yeah. in this capitalist system. So that's the main, uh, one of the first things. Then also on the entrepreneurship side, even if you work for somebody, I'm not saying everybody needs to be an entrepreneur and needs to not work for somebody. You know, it's cool if you want to work for somebody um, yeah. or even if you're starting out, even if you're an entrepreneur still or aspire to be an entrepreneur, it's cool to work for somebody and get that experience and that knowledge. We need to be in a position to have the option to depend on ourselves, to create our own opportunity. And um, we think that entrepreneurship path is is just major key, especially when you're talking about making sure you um, are providing for yourself, but also doing something that's for the betterment of the people. Because, of course, we look down on yeah. drug dealers or whatever that are um, feeling like they do doing what they got to do to provide for themselves and their family, but may encourage somebody to go work for McDonald's for a check. Like... They serve yeah. poison too. You feel me? So like, just because the land, the that's a way to look at it. are saying that's cool, that don't make it cool. You know, you still should be able to, yeah, not have to depend on the McDonald's either. You know, or, or whoever. You know, um, we just need to, and then I understand at the same time if you don't have that ability to create or make something out of nothing, then you're gonna have to sell yourself, sell your mind, body, and soul to an opportunity that somebody gives you rather than being able to create one. You feel me? So that's that for the entrepreneurship and economics. And then you got the art. Like we come from creators. We creative people, you know? So whether that's creating for your passion and your love and you want to make a living selling art or singing or whatever your artistic expression is, um, we want to help provide, you know, mentors and opportunities and um, platforms for practice and building experience as well. And um, even if you don't want to make that like a profession, I think we all need to tap into our creativity um, for the artistic yeah. therapy side and for mm-hmm. um, we all got our own story to tell. We all got our own expression that needs to be seen, felt and heard. And we all got our own audience that can relate to whatever that experience is, you know. Um, Thanks. And then, and that that makes me think about. Oh my I bad! It, it makes me think about the heart gallery yeah. that that y'all put together. So talk a little bit about the heart gallery, what that is, and how that art, how you use art for that, and then a little bit about some of the initiatives that y'all have worked on in the past and. Like some of the people that y'all work with, because y'all work with a lot of dope ass like yeah, people. Yeah. So talk a little bit about the Heart Gallery and then some of the things that y'all have done. Okay, so um, when you get the the T Walt episode, he could probably lay more foundation to the uh, origins of getting down that Heart Gallery path. But um, yeah, pretty much um, the Heart Gallery is a it's a platform for artistic and performing artistic. Um, uh, so it's just an artistic showcase, pretty much, from visual arts to yeah. performing arts or whatever form of art you want to express. Um, and it's really all about, like, telling your story, telling your experience, you know, coming from the heart and soul. You know, sometimes people just may 
you know, art that's just flowery and just for, you know, just to create something beautiful. But we yeah. really want to like people to share their their experience and their knowledge and their soul with us come from the heart and um also beyond the expression or displaying of the art we get into a dialogue that's about like the artist talking about the origin of their inspiration of becoming an artist or the inspiration behind a certain piece that they're sharing and um we create a dialogue amongst that and it's real like yeah. It's a real soulful connection. It's a real like art therapy type vibe because um although me and me and T Walk, the co founders of um Soul Society, we only have our two experience. And there's so many other experiences and perspectives and um bodies of knowledge that other people need to share. So we don't try to like hog any space or control the space with our knowledge or our, our story we try to open up a platform for other people to share theirs. So like one example is like, um, we got a powerful poet by by the name of Brianna LaFraser that we work with and she performs at a lot of our events. She shares pieces on um, domestic violence. Like I don't have that experience to share yeah. or to pull from, yeah. but then it's always somebody in the yeah. crowd that maybe come to tears and they create a relationship with each other where they can be therapeutic for yeah. each other, share each other's experiences. Mm -hmm. And I may never know what happens with that relationship that was developed at one of these heart galleries, but it's not necessarily yeah. my business, but it's a beautiful thing to see that happen. And they just start right. um, talking about resources that we have or support groups that we have and to see those things yeah. happen, those connections being made is just, a beautiful thing and to see young people young yeah. kids come in and be inspired to have a place to show their artwork and um people to be motivated to bring and create more artwork to come show because jacksonville where we started it at isn't necessarily like the most artistic or artistically supported town or area but yeah. to see um so much beautiful beauty and talented artists have a space to not only show what they already created, but to be motivated to create more. Mm -hmm. So it's just, that was, that's been a, a beautiful experience so far. Um, and yeah. yeah, definitely any artist, anybody that want to show some work, you know, we, we travel with artwork, we do vending all over the place and try to create, you know, selling opportunities for a lot of the artists we work with. And yeah, we, we pretty much, do like mobile mobile galleries we might pull up at the gas station with yeah. artwork on us and sell some, <laughs> yeah. somebody's artwork at the gas station send them their money back or That's another tight. thing um That's somebody tight. might be selling something for like 30 dollars. but i'm like yo that joint is a masterpiece mm -hmm. that don't gotta be like a hundred worth so i might go ahead and right. buy one of the artist's work go sell it for a hundred and then split the the extra the profit you know so sell yeah. it for a hundred, we'll split that seventy. I mean, just because I want to show, yeah, like, yeah, I just sold that thirty dollar artwork for a hundred dollars, like, you know, to try to show you, like, yeah, you got more value than you even knew in yourself. Yeah, value yourself. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's valuing a, yourself accordingly. Yeah, it's been a beautiful experience so far. You know, tell us, yeah, 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 about some of the people that y'all have worked with, be it in the past or that you got coming up, like. 
Name some of those names that y'all work with, cause y'all moving, grooving, and I think people need to hear about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we we definitely, you know, global citizens and all that. We we tap it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just even before I get into all that, like I, I, um, one of the things I learned about, you know, overcoming the depression and all that, and really learning about our history, and also another part of tapping into like how we and who we were before colonization and all that was like manifestation laws of attraction and, mm. and, and different yep. spirituality oh, and higher right. levels of science and things of that nature. So, um, Malcolm X book was like a major mind awakening for me in college, you know, to see somebody come from nothing and, and put themselves in that position to be a, a great, educator and leader and inspiration so like krs1 he's one of the like contemporary ones i just got into a place where i was just so confident and i'm like you know that's when i started calling myself born king like at first it was born to be king and then it was like you know i got deeper into it i'm like nah i've been a king i was born a king like in actuality we born whatever you we born with the potential to be any and everything and it's just, I could be born, born a criminal. I'm born all of these things. But the potential that I want to tap into is that king potential. And I know I can manifest anything. I can build a relationship and, and tap into any and everybody or any resource. Only thing in the way is mm. time. I don't know how long it's going to take, but I was like, we about to do an event with Karis one. <laughs> for sure. I go from watching them on YouTube and I'm like, you know what? Our community needs to see him. He needs to be felt mm -hmm. over here. So, yeah, you know, um, maintaining some relationships from college. I tapped into my brother, uh, big brother, Byron, Brian Thurman, and uh, he ended up having a connection that had the connection. And next thing you know, we had KRS coming to do a speaking engagement in Wilmington, North Carolina. And um, yep. that was a beautiful, powerful thing. Um, matter of fact, before that, we had, um, why ain't we going to get into that? Because that's going to be a whole story. But we had, had Sonny <laughs> Patterson. Um, if, if you yep. don't know her, you need to get to know her. She's a national known poet, been on Deaf Com no, I mean, Deaf Poetry. Um, and yeah, she just she she's powerful, powerful educator and teacher and leader of the people, you know, and she uses poetry and spoken word in a powerful way. Um yep. who else? Oh, of course brother David Banner had David Banner come out to Greensboro yep. and that was a I mean, that was amazing. Both of those events, David Banner and uh, the Sonny Patterson, those are like uh, epic events in Greensboro for me. That was like. Yeah, and I missed the Sonny Patterson when I was pissed about oh, it. Oh, you were there? Was at oh, man. Yeah, no, nah, I missed it, bro. I missed it. Bro, like, the, Banner <laughs> I missed joint, the Banner joint was crazy. I mean, to know that we brought almost 400 people together, that was a beautiful yeah. thing. We had like 22 vendors. Um, we had a powerful lineup of artists, and then yeah, I mean, to know even to this day, solid. a lot of the relationships we built through that was um established at that event that we maintain now. You right. feel me? Because I met yep. Debbie, we met Debbie the artist through that event. We met you. We met yep. Copper Vibrations. 
I think we met at Phoenix there. Um, and ultimately, wow. so I went to A&T. I left Greensboro 2012. And then, matter of fact, this was before we moved back. And I think that was like March 2016. So I think that was, what was that, 17? It might have been 16. I couldn't tell you. <laughs> I couldn't tell you. <laughs> but anyway, My so, ass. I couldn't tell you. Um, we ended up like, I don't know. I was just like, look, we started off doing our thing in, in Jacksonville and Wilmington and everything was good. But I'm like, I got to go back out to Greensboro. Like, I know all the power and potential that's coming through this whole college belt in North Carolina. And to jump out there at A&T and the moves, like, yeah, that's going to be the move. So, yeah, we went ahead and started putting that together. And ultimately, we wanted to come back to Greensboro, establish ourselves at Soul Society as a a powerful force to be reckoned with. And we about to come try to level yeah. up and elevate with the people, you know. So we just wanted to come, come out with a bang. And that was a great decision, you know, like I said, because we brought all these people together. I brought old relationships out, um, old teachers and yeah. professors. And it wasn't, I mean, it was understood that we're not here. It's not just a little mom and pop, cute little, you know, nonprofit or event programs and none of that. Like, we were really trying to move some things, you know. And, um, yeah. yeah, that was just a beautiful thing. We are the goal. So we, we actually, um, yeah. you know, going through a lot, trying to reestablish the uh, part two. But we got November 2nd coming up. We're going to do the We Are the Gold Part 2 with David Banner and Durham, North Carolina at the Haytai Heritage yep. Center. Again, it's uh, November 2nd. So um, I think yep. we got the tickets on deck at event dot, uh, eventbrite.com backslash okay. Soul Society NC. But, um, got it. Yeah, so pretty much that event is really about um, us tapping into the awareness that we are the goal, we are the wealth, we are the value of our community, we are the solutions to any problems that we can recognize. And the main thing is the fact that we, emphasis on we, we need to come together and bring our resources, our knowledge, our power, and our talents together. And, um, you know, really elevate our communities. Like we got yeah. not only this great history we come from in North Carolina, we got these powerful college and universities. Everything we need is just a matter of us putting it together. Putting it together. So we're doing that at the Haytai Heritage That's Center true. on the back of, you know, the powerful lineage that laid out the history in the Haytai community and the Durham, um, Black yeah. Wall Street era in the early 1900s, and um, to see what they did coming out of slavery in 30, 40, 50 years. It's like, what What can we do in the next 30, 40, 50 years? Like, they built their own community of, you know, coming out of slavery, lacking the ability to even read, let alone be educated and have all these degrees and access to information that we have today. So I really, you know, wanted yeah. to bring that back and just have like a major fire starter to say like, we need to pull our resources and pull our minds and bodies together to really elevate, you know, our future and create the future that we want to see. Sure enough. So that's my last question. Yeah. 
for yes, you. Sir. You you because you we've covered many things, but my question for you, right? Thinking about the future. So say in the near future, Social Society has y'all maxed out on funding. Money is not an issue. People is not an issue. Places is not an issue. What will the future look like for the people once Soul Society's work is done? So imagine with so, you. Tell me how it's gonna look. Right now, Soul Society is uh energy, it's a mind state and mentality that um is really uh we we tapping deeper and beyond the physical and tapping into the spirituality and um mm -hmm. ultimately soul society right now is in the mental and it's going to be a physical place down the line so we're going to have a body of land that we create in our own nation on um where mm -hmm. we create our own school systems we have our own um system of supplying our needs creating a self-sufficient society mm -hmm. where we you know I mean, we, we creative people. We creating the things we need from yeah. food to builders that create housing to um, yeah. people that create clothes. I mean, whatever it is, either we going to have direct um, connection to producing these products and resources that we need, or we going to have relationships yeah. with other producers of these products that we trade and bargain with or whatever we need to do. But ultimately... Soul Society is going to be a place where we have um, control to be in the um, ultimately uh, a space for us to get into our natural selves, you know, to not be so controlled yeah, and dictated by the pressures of the societies, but ultimately mm. a village where we come together as a collective community with a mission to provide for each other. And, um, you know, when, when, it, when we're in a place where it's not just one person doing all the lifting, but it's a lot of people that's contributing to lifting, whatever that is we need to lift up, it's just going to be that much easier because yeah. we all pitching into the pot. So, yeah, it's, it's ultimately yeah. going to be a community, a nation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's deep. <laughs> that's deep. And I think you're I think y'all are definitely well on the way to making that happen with with all the initiatives you got and the the mindset that you have. And that's what I think makes y'all so different from a lot of the people that I see or meet that are doing, you know, different things in the community. Y'all have a a totally different mindset and perspective on it and also like the effort is being put in to make sure that it happens. So I really appreciate that. And again, thank you for for the time. Um, but go, I need you to tell people how they can find y'all, how they can tap in with y'all, how can they invest in y'all before we before we sign up. Okay, yeah. So before that, I also want to announce the the Brotherhood Breakfast Movement that we both are part of. Yeah, that um, too. With Brother Dominic Hand, um, a few others, Kanai, um. Yeah, I want to announce that that's just like a movement in Greensboro, but it's North Carolina, period, and, and bigger and sure. beyond that as we continue to establish ourselves and grow. But it's really a movement that's tapping into 
building brotherhood, brothers coming together to talk about how we've been seen, how we're being seen in the world today, and how we want to be seen, and um, what's the responsibilities as a man. We also have the Entrepreneurship Academy that we're establishing through that, and um, we're doing our launching yep. seminar ceremony with um, Brother 19 Keys in Greensboro, July 27th. Got it. I forgot the time, but if you follow on Instagram at Soul Society NC or Dominant Thought or you, yeah, yeah you can yeah. get at, get at us for the for the details. But yeah, brother, nineteen keys. If you don't know him, look him up. Powerful brother. He's going to be talking about um, uh, mind management, basically putting yourselves in a position to create systems for yourself to create. Um, you know, organizing your knowledge and your plans and basically the things you need to do to order your steps to manifest the the ideas that you want to bring into your reality. And he's a powerful entrepreneur, powerful educator. So yeah, that's going to be July 27th. And uh, I think that's the main thing. So other than that, yeah, you can get in contact with us, like I said, through Instagram or Facebook at Soul Society NC, our website, Soul Society NC org so yeah all creators all educators um farmers entrepreneurs economic experts all that please link up mm-hmm. let's build um and then the last thing i want to leave y'all with is any and everything that i've talked about um we are not a soul society we are not limited to just being like you know egotistical or all about self we all yeah. about partnering up building with other entities, other like minds, and um, just other organizations. It's, that's what it's all about. If we bring that unity together, um, you know, the more light we bring together, the brighter we shine together. So, yeah, that's Defense. it. Society, <laughs> you know, one love for the people. So, no. Thank you. So, brother. yeah, greatly appreciate you. Appreciate your support and your time, and much love to building with you. One love.